It's Monday. You know what that means. Welcome in the Highly Disputed. My name is Dylan Bishop, and with me, as always, is Ryan Stickle. How's it going, Ryan? It's nice to be uh, recording here at 6.12 p.m. As everyone knows, 6 o'clock is the, the biggest hour of the day. <laughs> so we were literally just talking about that right before we start. We went live with the recording that, you know, Ryan, when you, uh, when you get up to work from home, you get up at 6.30, or excuse me, when you work in the office, you get up at 6.30. When you work from home, you get up at 7.30, and... You said it, I was thinking it right before you said it, the difference between 6 and 7 in the morning is just, why, it, why does it feel like so much more than an hour? I don't know what it is. I mean, I, I'm i going to guess because, like, mentally, it, it's the vibes are totally different. I guess because 6, 6 a.m. to 8 a.m., depending on the time of year, that's generally when your sun rises. And so your body... I don't know. Our bodies are just used to like the sun is up for the seven o'clock hour and for a good portion of the year, the sun is down for the six o'clock hour. And so we get conditioned to that over, you know, however old we are. And then that we just vibe check the clock instantly. We don't have to know where the sun's at in the sky. So that's probably that's probably my best guess because. Right. Or it's kind of like there's a whole mental thing going on there. And for some people, maybe it's a little different depending on their work schedule like maybe for some it's it's a it's a five and six o'clock thing but something the sun the once the sun's up i mean it's it changes your whole outlook on society yeah i guess like six is right in the middle you know it's six hours from midnight six hours from noon and sevens you know it's close it's not past that it's past that middle point towards noon maybe it's just like i feel like i don't know yeah like nine or ten you start to feel like all right this isn't deathly early in the morning so maybe it's just that seven it's just six feels so far away the only thing i can compare this to is when you know we we both turned to 25 a, a month month and a half ago you know both in january and i don't know why 25 feels way more than one year older than 24 but it does <laughs> i know what you mean it's a different it's like a new era like you're it's i mean it's a milestone it's not you know one of the biggest milestones of your life but you hit that 20 you know quarter quarter century there that's a pretty big deal yeah um it's it's literally the vibes around it there's no there's no real explanation because i mean it is just another year it's just kind of the you just you just sit and think about it and it's it's a big i mean it's it's not quite as as big as this, but I mean, you know, nineteen to twenty feels like a pretty big difference. It's one of those, mm-hmm. like it, you know, it's you know, nine to ten. You turn ten, you, you hit those double digits. Yeah, it's a big deal in, in yeah. a child's life. I think so. for me, it feels like the first year that, like, if you were to tell someone you're twenty five, it's the first number that's like, oh, so you definitely out of college now. So it's like a 24 year old. It's like maybe it took a gap year and you got an early birthday. Maybe you're in grad school, you know, kind of thing. But you get to 25. It's like, yeah, you're grown. Yeah. Brains developed. Yeah. I think of 25 as like an adult. Yeah. It's it's even (laughs) because you you think of, you know, it's, it's all perspective. So like when you're when you're a kid, you think of someone who's 20 and that's that's an old adult to you then you become 20 
and maybe you feel old, but like you are, you're a kid. <laughs> yeah. And so now 25 is always an age where I've thought of it as being, you know, if you're 25, you're really an adult. And now I am 25. And it's one of the first years where I'm like, damn, I kind of am an adult now, huh? <laughs> it's yeah. Not like, it's not like, oh, I'm 22, but I'm in college, you know, like I'm, I'm young, you know, it's it life really starts to go downhill right now. So, yeah, it's um, like if you like imagine like telling like some 21 year old college junior that like, you know, you're 24 years old and they, they think, oh, well, that's kind of older. I mean, it's only three years older than me. But, you know, it's like, you know, that's you know, maybe they're you know still whatever 20 it's just that fourth year of difference yeah you feel that you feel that much further away i don't mean my brain's fully developed so i mean at this point you know i'm on the road to death so it only go we can only go downhill from here yeah i mean is it 25 i know there is an age where like physically you you are literally going downhill is it started 25 i think the the brain development is you're fully developed at 25 i think you're fully developed, but I wonder if, if 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 we plateau for a few years and then we deteriorate, or if I'm just going to start deteriorating, like right now. <laughs> like, do I just peak for a day on my 25th birthday and then just drop off a cliff, or am I am I good till I'm 33 and then we start to see the decline? Because I will tell you, my eyesight, I still have great eyesight, but it's noticeably worse. <laughs> than it used to be i used so, I, I had 2020 vision for pretty much my whole life and it's 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 not that anymore every now and then it, i i catch myself looking at something small far away which you know isn't the easiest thing to see regardless but i, I just i gotta squint a little and it's nothing crazy i just, i don't need glasses i know that um i don't struggle in my day-to-day but every now and then i'm like oh this is a little concerning. <laughs> so, the medical the medical experts seem to go with with thirty as All right. the age. So it says after after age thirty, people tend to lose lean muscle. Your muscles, liver, kidney, and other organs may lose some of their cells. Uh, things that the process of muscle loss called atrophy. Bones may lose some of their minerals, become less dense. The amount of body fat steadily goes up after age thirty. Uh, yeah. So, right, so I, got, I guess we got a few more years. Got five years in me. All right. I can make that work. I can make five years work. I'll set yeah. a uh, set a calendar notification for my 30th birthday. Let me know it's it's all over. So, yep. All right. I can do I can I can work with five. I got five years to um continue to, to eat like garbage. Got it. Yeah. And it's, then we'll be serious. I was gonna say, it's it feels like you start declining at 22. You know, or 23. But maybe oh it's just because we don't exercise. I don't know. I don't know what it was about leaving college at 22. But, man, gained weight. It, worse hangovers. Um, I mean, I was out of shape more because I wasn't at the wellness center all the time playing basketball. I got so much cardio in there. Right. Um, so that explains that. But, yeah, I don't know. I don't know what it is. You just I – don't, I, don't I don't know about this 30-year-old mark. I think – I'm gonna say I'm gonna say 21, 22 is is the peak of life. <laughs> yeah, we might just be unhealthy. That's just well, just us, you know, personally. Yeah, I mean, what is unhealthy, really? I mean, right? Yeah, you know, <laughs> who's making up these standards? You know, health is a social construct. I'd say exactly. Other exactly. than all, other than all the science. Um, but anyway, you know, you know who uh, 
who is getting their cardio in this week, getting a good some workouts, is guys like Tyson Bajan, who obviously we just had on the show last week as he prepares for the NFL Combine. And guess what? That's this week. Yeah. This Thursday is the beginning of the on-field drills, but I believe tomorrow is the beginning of, of just the entire process of interviews and whatnot. So I believe quarterbacks, if we're looking at Tyson, the one Shepard player there, uh, their on-field drills are Saturday. So for anything sort of televised, that'll be there. Maybe there'll probably be some social media, like press interviews leading up to it. Obviously, behind closed doors, there will be the interviews with teams. But it's the NFL Combine season. People are going to make a lot, of, a lot of it for a lot of reasons. And, I mean, there's, there's only so much that it matters. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, this is one of those things where Tyson's going to show up and he's going to be one of these guys. And, it, I mean, it's a good portion of them. Um, you hear all the hype about these these players that are going to, you know, without a doubt, go in the first 10 picks or whatever. Those big, big quarterbacks. Um, we hear all about those top guys. But in reality, the combine, yeah, they want to go show off. They want to look good. But it's not a make or break for them. Like guys like Tyson need to go to the combine and make a statement. Like they need to be able to prove themselves, climb some draft boards, because like there is a difference to be made there. If you're, you know, currently projected to, you know, maybe be a fifth round pick at best by probably most of the the big prognosticators. So, yeah, I mean, it's it's big for him. Um, I wish we got more coverage of, of guys like him. I know that's probably not the best for TV, but like, why not show off these, you know, not even D2 guys. I mean, you think of all the players that that are at big schools that might not be you know, knock out first round picks. I mean, guys, we're talking about, you know, third, fourth rounders that need to get out there and, and have a good week because it, it matters. The, the people that matter are there who are making these decisions, you know, Bill Belichick out there with his binoculars. So um, I, I don't doubt he's going <laughs> to have a good weekend. So, but yeah, I'm looking forward to it, to be honest. The, the, the combine has never been one of those things that's super interesting to me. Um, you know, just cause everyone knows what the combine is. It's nothing crazy. Just doing some drills, 40 yard dash is kind of fun, but, um, you know, to have somebody there from a couple guys were there from Shepard, it's going to be very cool. Yeah. I think the actual use that the NFL combine has, or at least it should have, because a lot of times guys will, you know, drool over dudes with fast 40 yard dash times and uh, things of that nature. But really what it probably ends up coming down to is it should confirm what you've seen watching the player on the field. And, you know, in terms of, well, this player looks like they have four, four speed and then they run a four, four. And then kind of the flip side of that is that it should be used as not a, not a way to add guys to your list, but cross guys off of your list. I think there is there are certain thresholds that an NFL player, for the most part, needs to hit as an athlete in terms of you know maybe number of ben- number of reps on the bench press for an offensive lineman or speed for a wide receiver or a running back. 
quickness for a certain vertical for like a defensive lineman or whatever it may be. And you say, okay, if you can't, if you're not at least this athletic, you're not an NFL player. Yeah. So I think that's really how it should operate. It ends up being the opposite where people look at the really good scores and make judgments off of those when really it should be, Oh, you, you ran a five, five. Yeah. You gotta, you gotta go. If you're and if you're a wide receiver running a four, seven, it's probably, it's probably not, it's probably not going to make it. It's probably not going to be a thing, buddy. And uh, right, it's like, if you're a wide receiver who, you know, let's say you run a four, two, but you're really good at running a four, two 40. You're not four, two on the field and you have stone hands. Like, mm-hmm. <laughs> like th- those guys, um, you know, and, and plenty of the players who have those type of numbers make it work in some way, in some capacity, but, you know, it's not the end-all, be-all with these, these you know, weightlifting drills and, and all of that. Because, um, I mean, you look at a lot of it, and it's like you said, it's, it is a threshold because you look at some of these drills, and you sit there, and if you really think about it, you go, what, what does this have to do with football? <laughs> <laughs> like it, it it makes no sense um you know i mean look at what you know and this is obviously the most extreme example you could come up with but like look at what tom brady looked like at the combine and you know he he showed up to the nfl and he kind of was that but he developed into something special and the game's different today but if you're a quarterback and you're not the most agile, but let's say you have the most precise arm in the building, that's going to be worth value to where it's like, why would we even look at their 40 yard dash? It's just stuff like that where there's context for every guy and what they're actually good at. Yeah. And there's only so much that you're going to get out of the on field drills, watching guys too. NFL and just coaches in general have this weird thing where, they're like, I need to see this guy in person to know what I really think of him, which I guess to in a certain extent makes sense, especially if it's like a level of competition thing, which can really benefit a guy like Tyson when he's out there, you know, throwing to guys that are going to be drafted in the first round of the draft, guys from Ohio State and, and the like. So that might make a difference for him. But f- for the most part, you're you're looking at the tape and you're interviewing guys, see what their brain is like. And then you use the athleticism on at the combine and at the pro day to just kind of confirm what you already thought, at least if you're doing it right in my mind. Um, (laughs) Yeah. There's the, (laughs) you could be out. Yeah. You could be, you could be the Raiders and see Darius Hayward Bay run a four four three flat or whatever it was that he ran and draft him eighth overall or whatever. DHB. DHB, yeah. So there's only – when I think about it, I, I tweeted it from the highly disputed account because uh, it just made me think about this. When I saw Fox College Football tweeted out the list of quarterbacks at the Combine, there are only 15 quarterbacks at the Combine. Right. It's a – it's – Special company would be there. So who's who? You yeah, know? and, and uh, like I, I think Tyson can can benefit as much as anyone. Um, because I mean, you go down that list, it's you know, it's mostly just these Power Five schools. You know, 
you know, you say D1, I mean, let alone D1, I mean, it's, it's, it's the big dogs. Um, and those guys, there's so much film. There's so many numbers, advanced numbers on those guys. You know, I mean, PFF does, you know, D1, uh, D1 statistics. And, you know, some people are going to take those with a grain of salt. But um, there's certain things that they, they measure that you can kind of put some context to. Whereas Tyson, I mean, the footage on him, the tape is a little bit limited. And some of it is not the best quality. Uh, that's kind of a just a, a a piece of the the D one or the D two puzzle, where you know you get these these kind of uh, I guess we'll call them draft gurus on online whether they work for you know a big media company or a blog whatever it might be they want to break down film on guys kind of tweet their thoughts walk you through it and with Tyson you know a lot of them I've seen kind of joking about yeah this grainy D two footage is on here. I'm, piecing together what I can because <laughs> I don't even have any, I don't even have entire games on this guy. So um, he certainly can benefit to from these coaches who, who want to see guys in person. I mean, they don't even have the film on them to begin with. Yeah. And the reason I bring up the 15, I also tweeted this one is that there there's only been 15 or more, but I don't think there's been, there's, there's been more before. There's only been 15 quarterbacks all drafted in a single draft twice, or excuse me, once since 2004. So last 18 drafts, give or take. But there's been at least 10 drafted every year except for two in that same time frame. So that's kind of, you're on the cusp there. If you get invited to the combine as a quarterback, there is a good chance you're going to get drafted. But it's not, it's not a guarantee. But, I mean, you look at guys on this list here, Aiden O'Connell from Purdue, he wasn't at the Senior Bowl. You, uh, Dorian Thompson-Robinson wasn't at the Senior Bowl. And then you get to the other guys that were at the Senior Bowl. Hendon Hooker uh, was invited, but just for interviews. He's got injury concerns. Who knows where that's going to put him in the draft. Sharon Hall, Clayton Toon, and Max Duggan, and Malik Cunningham were all the other quarterbacks with Tyson outside of Jake Hayner, who won the Senior Bowl MVP. So I guess you could assume – Maybe Jake Hayner will go before Tyson. But those other quarterbacks, who knows? Yeah. They got the higher level of competition, but they don't have the production. And, you know, they who knows how they'll interview? We don't know. And then a guy like Stetson Bennett, who, I mean, dude was just arrested a month, like a month ago. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he's, uh, he, he's, he's still celebrating a little too hard, I think. Um, where was that even at? Was that in Texas somewhere? I think so, yeah in dallas i think if i remember correctly but yeah i mean you just never know i mean and and listen you see constantly um you know funny screenshots of some of these drafts i think the 2013 draft comes to mind where you sit there and you look and you wonder what anybody was thinking with some of these especially some of these first rounders um just the the amount of busts in some of these drafts the 2013 within, draft is historically bad just within the top 10 and Terrible. i mean you can go go down the whole list um and that's where you end up with those funny situations of oh this guy was the best at his position for a couple of years but he's drafted in the third round type of deals mm-hmm. um so at the end of the day there's all these numbers and metrics and tape we pour over um but to an extent we still <laughs> really don't know until these these guys are on an NFL team and they are against NFL competition, because 
again, especially with someone that's, you know, these quarterbacks, it, it especially comes down to the, the situation they end up in. It's not like you put a, a, you know, an edge rusher out there and an edge rusher is an edge rusher is an edge rusher. Other context matters more than anything for a quarterback. Um, and I mean, mm-hmm. we see that time and time again where, you know, quarterbacks come in and struggle when they're picked early because they end up on a bad team. Um, and it's the, the ones with a good organization that, that builds. And outside of that, it's, it's those once in a generation guys who just carry trash poverty franchises to, to the promised land. Um, you know, so, it, and even then there's development involved. I mean, the quarterbacks we're looking at now, we just truly don't know what we're going to have in them for a couple of years. So, no. um, We'll see with with Tyson what they think of him at the moment, um, and if he can inch his way to a roster a roster spot, and then from there it's injuries. I mean, this stuff can can flip on you really quick. So I I'm looking forward to the weekend. I think he's probably going to kill it because he's out there throwing against air and yep, you know, <laughs> I mean, not that it's easy to you know, throw it 50 yards down the field with accuracy, but it's a lot easier when you don't have guys in your face. So I think he's, he's perfectly set up to, to be able to show off in that regard. Yeah. We're gonna, we'll see what happens there. We're going to have a couple, a handful of guys that I know down in Indy, at least one that is, you know, friend of the show, uh, Charles McDonald. Uh, he'll be down there in Indianapolis. We'll see if we can arrange someone down there, to meet up with Travis Bajant because I know that he's down. He's down there as well. He ended up getting his invite and uh, see if any good content comes out of that. I'm sure there will be because if NFL Network is covering it after the Senior Bowl, you know they got to follow up with him. Oh, 100%. I mean, that's – and, I mean, you talk about the combine and, you know, at the end of the day, it kind of is boring for the most part. Yeah, you know the guys on NFL Network love it because I mean that's their that's their whole life is just following that stuff and tracking those guys and their careers. But um, you do need some filler here and there, and I mean Travis Bajan is kind of made for it. So right, if they were to... if they were willing to cut away from an actual football game for a play to show him <laughs> arm wrestling, I mean they'll I think they'll cut away from you know some on field some passing against air. Um, oh, yeah. But one guy that isn't passing on air or doing much of anything at the Combine, except I think weighing in, is Bryce Young, who is the heavy favorite to go number one in the draft. And it was reported today, right, this morning, that the Bears are leaning towards trading the number one pick in the draft, which kind of is was expected when they got number one. And... I wasn't con- quite convinced at first because it was, you know, I think obviously at some point you're going to get that offer that comes in and you'll say to yourselves, all right, let's trade down. Let's get ourselves these, you know, three first round picks or whatever you can get. But I just thought it was a little early for it to be, cause I saw the like uh, betting odds for who was going to go first overall in the draft and the top defensive players, Jalen Carter and Will Anderson were so low I was like, why have we already like? What if the Bears don't get a good offer? What what's happening? But <laughs> I think that's going to happen eventually. If and someone's going to come up and pick Bryce Young number one, uh, I'm going to guess 
that's how it goes. And CJ Stroud, probably number two to the Texans. And then Will Levis and Anthony Richardson fall into place somewhere. It's, and I'm sure it's definitely possible that Will Levis, probably Will Levis, jumps over one of the guys that he shouldn't and <laughs> gets drafted higher. But we'll see. Uh, I mean, I, I just have vibes on the quarterbacks as of now. Uh, we'll make it our, you know, we'll have our yearly discussion closer to the draft with Derek Klassen, uh, I think, at least. That, that's the plan. Bring him on, talk about the quarterbacks. And, of course, we have to have Susan Harris with him to, to suss out the, the actual <laughs> vibes on the same quarterbacks. Um, that's Listen, a stance. Based, yeah. based, on, based on what we got from her um, when she was on, she should probably draft these quarterbacks for the teams in the correct order. Like, I think she would do it, yeah. Like, her vibe checks kind of encapsulated, like, the, their productivity on the field. Strangely so, enough, yeah. So, you know, if that's all it takes, <laughs> why why pour money into going <laughs> to the draft and spend time watching these guys on tape and interviewing them? Just get a vibe check, you know? Yeah, just show Susan a picture of Will Levis and let her go, hmm, no, he's not good. It's, it's that's that all. It, yeah, it was impressive how many bad quarterbacks she was able to just see the face of and be like, "I don't think he's good at football." And yeah, she was right. What, yeah. It, it's it's weird. You can just tell. It's yeah, a thing. I don't know. But. Yeah, it's yeah. Who knows? But as far as what the like, I think the Bears are probably right to trade down. If it were me, I'm just hounding Jim Ursay at number four and the Colts GM until they cough up as much as they can to go up to number one, because if you stay at number four, you can, let's assume Bryce Young, CJ Stroud off the board, one, two, or just two quarterbacks in general. And that leaves you at the fourth pick with two elite defensive players on the board to choose from Jalen Carter and Will Anderson. If you go any lower than that, you're not really guaranteeing yourself one of those guys. So I'd say just wait it out. Let the Colts make sure until the Colts are willing to offer up, you know, at least two first round picks and just go down there. And then you fall, you come back a little bit, sit there at four, whoever the Cardinals don't pick at three, just pick yourself an elite SEC front seven defender. I don't think you can go wrong there. Right. And the Colts are, you know, it's, it's a waiting game because the Colts are always waiting to do something impulsive. Exactly. Yeah. Um, that was so, that's part of my issue earlier. I was like, I don't know, the Colts, the Bears, are going to trade down. Like, are they going to get a good offer? Like, you're telling me, you expect me to know to think Jim Irsay knows who Bryce Young is in like January <laughs> to to know who C.J. Stroud is. You know, I you know who I definitely know. Jim Irsay knows Jimmy Garoppolo. <laughs> <laughs> He'll give up two for two second round picks for for Jimmy Garoppolo. Oh my, that'll because... be something. I think the Colts just need to keep doing this every year. That'd be so. It'd be just so fun. Find, just, you find a name. They're probably not that good, but it's a name. Um, and you rinse and repeat, and then we have a funny list of, hey, here, look at all these quarterbacks the last ten years of the Colts, and it's just all the names you recognize, and uh, you know. <laughs> It's six wins most every year. But I will say, the yeah. Phillip Rivers year, 
they they were pretty successful. <laughs> they got to, got themselves in the playoffs. They got like, the playoffs. They, they they solidly got themselves in the playoffs. Yeah. Now, since then, just you know, don't worry about what they did. Right. I think it was hilarious. I saw the tweet either today or yesterday that was about the most and least expensive offenses in the NFL over the last four seasons. Like how much money per year over the last four years were NFL teams spending on their offense? The Ravens were all the way down at the bottom, which makes sense. Mark Andrews and Lamar and Hollywood were all on rookie deals. So was Orlando Brown, and they traded him, and they traded Hollywood before his big deal. They got uh, Tyler Linderbaum now, and they don't, you know, the running backs, they don't pay a lot. Dobbins still on his rookie deal. At the very top, the most expensive offense in the NFL over the last four years, the Indianapolis Colts. Oof. With nothing to show for it. With nothing to show for it. Yeah, that that goes to show it's, you know, it is not how much money you spend. It's who you're spending it on because. Right. That's that's just. They've just been spending it on those mid-old quarterbacks. Carson Wentz and they they paid even Jacoby Brissett as a backup. Matt Ryan. So and then, you know, whoever else that they're paying on the offensive line. And Quentin Nelson, guys like that. So I mean, if yeah, if it weren't for Andrew Luck, right, like that, that team would be going on, I guess like twelve or thirteen years now of just being garbage. Like, yeah, and even and, Andrew Luck was like getting hurt because he was behind a terrible offensive line. And... They they weren't a dominant team. They had some good years. They got to an AFC Championship. Yeah, and and lost, but like, yeah, and, and you know you know what's crazy, and. It completely just left my memory. I noticed this uh, a couple weeks ago. Is that Andrew Luck beat Peyton Manning in a playoff game? And you never hear about it. <laughs> I yeah, I don't even remember that. Yeah, Man. they beat the uh, the Colts beat the the Broncos in like a divisional round. But you just never hear about that. You think that'd be a bigger deal, but I guess because he retired and never won anything after that, <laughs> it just kind of got lost to to history. But yeah. yeah, I believe that would have been, uh, I want to say 2014, the 2014 season. So I don't know what, I don't know what's, what got me to that conclusion, like what I was looking at. Maybe it was just, um, it honestly might have been the Colts year after year, like playoffs, because the Colts were in the playoffs for, for you know, a good portion of, of the decade when, when luck, and, I mean, when luck was healthy, they were in there. And I just don't remember anything they did because they just weren't very good. <laughs> you want to know what I what I just went to on a, on football reference here was is the Colts draft history. Oh no! And I'm going to start from the year after they drafted Andrew Luck. So 2013, they had the 24th pick in the draft. They drafted Bjorn Warner, Ooh. defensive end from Florida State. And, buddy, that might be the most notable name in this draft class <laughs> because didn't have a second-round pick. Third-round pick was Hugh Thornton. The rest of it goes Khaled, Khaled Holmes, Montori Hughes, John Boyett, Kerwin Williams. Okay, that's a running back I've heard of, at least. Justice Cunningham. So that was the draft oh, class my. immediately following drafting Andrew Luck. Any, go are, through, any, are there any, any linemen, offensive linemen? Uh, Hugh Thornton and Khaled Holmes were a guard and a center. 
Mm. So it just didn't turn out well. Honestly, uh, it might be worse that they, they, they swung and missed on those than I'd rather them just not draft them at all and <laughs> get a receiver or something. The next year, they didn't have a first-round pick because, if memory serves me right, they traded it for Trent Richardson. Oh. Yep. And in the second round, they drafted Jack Muhort, offensive what? tackle. <laughs> The rest of that class went Dante Moncrief, Jonathan Newsom, Andrew Jackson, Wait. and <laughs> Ulrich John. Andrew Jackson, middle linebacker from Western Kentucky. Oh my god, disgusting! The next draft class, they didn't have a, they didn't. God damn, first round pick Philip Dorsett. <laughs> this Jesus. at least in this draft they got Henry Anderson in the third round, which is a pretty solid pick. They tra- I think they traded down from the second and third and picked John Smith, a corner, Clayton Gathers, David Perry, Josh Robinson, Amarlo Ar- Herrera, and Denzel Good was the 2015 Colts draft class. I mean, oh, just a man. bunch of nothing. 2016. All right. First round pick, Ryan Kelly. Good pick. <laughs> it's a center, though. So <laughs> <laughs> Cool. T.J. Green, LaRaven Clark, Hassan Ridgeway, Antonio Anderson, uh, Antonio Morrison, Joe Haig, Trevor Bates, and Austin Blythe. But hey, you put, Austin Blythe was a good center. Uh, Joe Haig is the only name I recognize. You draft, yeah, they drafted a <laughs> they drafted a starting quality center in the seventh round, uh, but they also did that in the first round. So who it didn't matter. Uh, 2017, Malik Hooker in the first round. That's that didn't work out. Uh, Quincy Wilson, Terrell Basham. Basham's pretty good. Marlon Mack, Zach Banner, Grover Stewart, Nate Harrison, Anthony Walker. That's better. Those are uh, yeah. That was that's like a, a that's a draft. <laughs> now here's the one where they traded down uh, with the with the Jets from uh, for uh, when they went up for Sam Darnold. They got Quentin Nelson. They got Shaq Leonard. The artist formerly known as Darius Leonard, in case you uh, don't. Braden Smith, Kemoke Torre, I forget, uh, Taekwon Lewis, Naheem Hines, uh, and then there's a bunch of other nobodies. 2019, they got Rocky Sin in the second round. Didn't have a first round pick. I think they traded back. Uh, ben Bonagu, Paris Campbell, Bobby Okariki. Okariki's good. Uh, a bunch of nothing. 2020, they got Michael Pittman and they got Jonathan Taylor. And okay. 2021, they got Quiddy Pay. Uh, not a whole lot of anything. Sam Ellinger in the sixth round. And then last year, <laughs> that's the highlight. That's last like last year's, they got Bernard Raymond in the third round, who's been a you know starter quality offensive lineman. But that's literally that's every draft since Andrew Luck. That's all of them. Man, that's uh. That's pretty sad there. Yeah. That's, I mean, I don't, I mean, I could, I mean, there's less than 10 guys who I would look at and say, you know what? They are, they are a standout, like they're a solid contributor to the Colts. Yeah. So or, I, I guess or, that's, or were at one time. That's part of the reason they've had to spend so much money in free agency, I guess. But it's mostly been on old quarterbacks. Yeah. They, they really have, uh, They've cornered the market on just complete stupidity. They did trade a first-round pick. That's right. They traded a first-round pick in there somewhere for DeForest Buckner also. Yeah. So they are really doing well. I mean, at it, some point, like, 
something has to work. <laughs> like, and also, how are they not like the Browns? How are they not? It's amazing that they're not awful every year. That's what I was thinking. Like, even like this year, they all were terrible. That said, they're not like the worst. I mean, how many work. games they win this year? Four or five? I mean, they got what pick in the draft. I don't even know. So, you know, like they're somehow just better than they should be. Like, I mean, like we said, Philip Rivers got them in the playoffs. <laughs> like that's that's a, that's a miracle in itself. So, oh, that's right. Yeah, Colts have the fourth pick. That's right. That's what we, that's what that's what started this conversation. Though. Yeah, and I guess uh, um, I guess you know they they've found a not this year obviously, but recent years they found a running game. Jonathan Taylor's been good, so the oh man, yeah, it's rough. So the... they need a they need a savior once again for the the third time in in twenty five. See years. now that now that that brings up a good point. Is okay, you, the Colts, you go what you go up and draft a quarterback. You trade up for a quarterback. Trade up for the one that you know number one everybody likes, Heisman winner. Uh, he is five ten and a half reportedly, and about ninety one hundred and ninety pounds. <laughs> So about the size of Kyler Murray, except maybe like 15 pounds lighter. And you need a good team around a quarterback. Because we see yeah. like... the, You know, they if you can't pick though, like if you suck at drafting, I guess you you might as well just go get the quarterback, right? I guess. And hope, and hope if you're not going to draft... Yeah, I mean, if you're not going to draft good players with those picks, then you might as well not have them. Yeah. You so, know, uh, sure, I guess yeah. When you put it like when you when you put it like that, you might as well go I guess go ahead and trade them. And then, um, you know, if you you got to trade everything for the quarterback you and I mean, man, as good as as good as he was in college, you just don't know if Bryce Young is going to be that guy in the NFL. You worry for him. Yeah, um, that, I was going to say my my vibes on the quarterbacks right now, Bryce Young. I'm getting, I'm getting the Kyler Murray vibes. Just an off, like he's very small. Um, I mean, it hasn't really worked out with Kyler Murray so far. It hasn't all been his fault, but that's kind of the whole point. Is that there's only so many guys who can elevate past, elevate a team past what's around them. Right. And I don't think Kyler's really one of those guys. Or at least he hasn't been. Not hold, not like to a significant extent. Um, so there's that. She, to me, it just feels like C.J. Stroud. It's like, why is this the guy not going number one? Like, I don't know. I think it's the. Um, doesn't seem like there's anything wrong with him. I think it's the Ohio State thing, right? That's got to be. I think. I think. I mean, you know, Justin Fields was kind of doing, doing his thing a little bit this year, but he wasn't. He wasn't blowing people away throwing the ball, um, and you know he didn't have many many people to throw to, but still. Um, and then know, you look at the ele- uh, the not, other not, yeah the other end of that is you know not elevating it, like you said. Yeah, C.J. Stroud had guys to throw to. He had Jackson Jackson Smith and and Jigba. I think is how you say it. And then and Marvin yeah. Harrison Jr. So like a guy that's going to go first round this year, and a guy that might go top five next year. Right, and so. Uh, you see time after time these Ohio State quarterbacks come up great in college, right? Like did everything you could have wanted them to do in college. And then suddenly it's just not clicking once they're in the NFL. And I don't know what it is. I don't know if it just is happened by chance. 
Um, but it is one of the situations where at the end of the day, uh, these guys were in college and everybody on their team was usually better than everybody else on the defense they were facing. And so it becomes hard to evaluate kind of the, the minutia if, if, you know, for lack of a better phrase, like, yeah, yeah. Okay. He has a big arm. All right. He can push it downfield, but, and it's accurate, right? Hitting guys right in stride. But all of a sudden, what if, you know, the defender is, you know, right on the, the receiver's back instead of two yards behind him, the throw, you know, and it, it, it just totally changes when those mm-hmm. guys get put in those new situations. And it's the same exact throw, you know, in, in a vacuum. It's the same exact throw. Hit him right in stride. He's got his man beat. But suddenly that defender is on his back, and he's NFL open, but he's not open like he was when you're playing at the horseshoe. <laughs> so mm-hmm. I don't know what the translation issue is there because, I mean, man, in our lifetime <laughs> – Who's been good from Ohio State at quarterback in the NFL? There was there was Dwayne Haskins that that didn't work out. Yeah, RIP. And so what? Terrell Pryor, um, <laughs> Troy Smith. Mm. Um, <laughs> there's some guys. In the yeah, middle. there's some guys in the middle there somewhere that. Boy, the fact that their name's not coming to mind isn't helping. Um, you know, Braxton not, Miller played wide receiver. Braxton, yeah, second. Braxton Miller, <laughs> Braxton Miller, Cardale Jones. Uh, there was the the third guy who was you know, oh J T Barrett. That's the that's the other guy. J T yeah. Barrett. Yeah. And so and they and they were all so good. <laughs> yeah, but at least looking back, you can think, well, you know, Braxton Miller and uh, J T Barrett, they were like t- tiny dudes with no arm. Same, same with Troy Smith and like Terrell Pryor was just kind of a runner, great wide receiver. Terrell Pryor there for like a year, yeah, number one wide receiver. <laughs> um, but then like Justin Fields, I mean, his his passing is still lacking behind. I still will contend that let pe- let let us remember he's on the Bears. Let's yeah. not forget. Um, but he's a great runner. He's at least something. Uh, yeah, there's there's value there. Yeah. Cardell and, and, Jones seemed like he might be something, but then no, he, he stunk. He never made it. Yeah, and I mean, let me remind you for the Bears also that for the millionth time, they traded what has turned out to be the 32nd overall pick for Chase Claypool. Um, <laughs> <laughs> like, and that was they thought that was their splash move. Like they said, all right, Justin Fields. We're gonna do the thing here. Like, we 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 are getting them another piece of the puzzle. Uh, you know, so-called deep threat, a so-called big body. Um, and I don't know that they won a game after that trade. I think they might have lost every game. After they that. they ended the they ended the season on a oh yeah they did seven eight or nine game losing streak. Yeah, so it's yeah. yep. And so it's the Bears. I mean, we've seen this kind of forever <laughs> like yeah Mitch, Mitch Trubisky like had a winning record but still wasn't it's anything like, crazy. even when they even when they got to the Super Bowl their quarterback was Rex Grossman yeah you know they thought Jay Cutler might do something and Jay honestly, Cutler was they, at least fun to watch you know he yeah I mean yeah he was one of these guys I mean he would just he he truly did not seem to care so he just sling it down the field 
him and Brandon Marshall had some some good numbers, but they did. That's about it. Yeah. So what, it's just a bunch of winners at the top of the draft, as you would expect, right? <laughs> but there are a couple winners. You know, the, the Seahawks and the Lions have the fifth and sixth pick, so that's fun for them. Man, um, I tell you what, the Seahawks, if they can bring back Geno and he can, you know, not turn into a pumpkin. I mean, we got the full season of Geno, and he was good. It never, it never got to a point where we were like, oh, same old Geno. Like, he was legit comeback player of the year. I don't know where they might spend that pick. I don't. I haven't watched enough Seahawks football to know exactly where that pick should be. Yeah. But you know, listen, the Seahawks were in the playoffs. Like they, they. I don't know. They might sneak up on some people again. Listen, if someone say like seven, eight, nine area of the draft uh, wants to come up to number one, it's the Raiders, the Falcons, the Panthers. That's realistic. One of those could say, let's let's go up and let's get Bryce Young. Let's say that means you get Bryce Young one, CJ Stroud two, let's say Jalen Carter number three, and the Colts go and pick their quarterback, Will Levis, let's say, number four. <laughs> and you get Will Anderson fall in the lap of Seattle. I mean that's Man. that's a big win there. That's they got that's something very, special. That's very realistic. Like that could easily happen. And you know, I mean, you look at that division, Arizona. No, <laughs> no. Um, it's. I mean, you. It's. It's San Francisco, and it's like, yeah, you're not as it, good as San Francisco. But let's say, all right, they get rid of Jimmy G. Trey Lance comes back as a starter, and he's just not doing it. Right. And even if they bench him for Brock Purdy. Brock Purdy was still the last pick in the draft. I mean, he had a good run, but that's not to say he's any he's not he's very good. Yeah, I mean, at what point did and and listen, what Brock Purdy did, I, I'll say it was impressive for somebody yes. drafted where he was. I mean, not every quarterback, as sad as it is, not every quarterback in the NFL can sit there and hit guys who are wide open on a mm-hmm. consistent basis. So he did that and he made some good plays. Um, but I don't think anybody's looking at Brock Purdy as the guy who's going to win them a Super Bowl. Yeah, you're, not scared, you're not scared of Brock Purdy. You're scared of the rest of the offense. No, and it, you know, it went off the rails with the injuries and everything in the, the NFC Championship game. But, I, you know, I had no reason to believe, even when healthy, the 49ers could have won that game. So, you know, I just – I don't know how good they're going to be. You, and that team's always been injured historically. Um, they managed to stay healthy enough. You know, obviously outside of the quarterback position, which they find a way to make it interchangeable. Um, that team on defense, for the most part, stayed pretty healthy. And so they, they, you know, they did the thing where they got to the NFC Championship and quarterback's not quite good enough and injuries pile up. Um, I just don't trust that team until they prove to me they can win 10 in a row like they do this year. So... I don't know the Seahawks. That, that maybe that's the sleeper pick to come out of division next year. I want to. Uh, there's something that I've been looking at here, talking about how good you know, 49ers top team in the NFC will be next year. And then I'm looking at. I was reminded today of I saw the list of you know, the top ten free agents in the NFL this year. Lamar Jackson and Geno Smith are the top two. 
Um, which Lamar, the whole Lamar thing here, here's the update on Lamar from me. It's getting ugly. I don't like the vibes. There's a lot of leaking going on and back and forth. I don't like it, but there's still time. He's going to, they're going to franchise tag him. It'll drag out until at at least through the summer. And probably it's just, it's going to be a whole thing. We'll talk. We can talk about it later. Yeah. Um, a team with three of the top ten uh, free agents in the NFL this offseason, according to this, what was it, ESPN? Um, I believe, yeah, I want to say, I mean, it was one of those, you know, ESPN. It might have been, could have been the NFL Twitter account also. I can't remember exactly. But one of those big, you know, you know how you see lists on Twitter. But, yeah, it was it was Lamar, then Gino, and I honestly, I didn't look at the rest of the list because... Once I saw Gino, I just was laughing too hard that he's the second best free agent this offseason past Lamar Jackson, who honestly should not even have to be a free agent. Which also makes me think, <laughs> as I go on a tangent real quick, if if the Ravens, you know, just went ahead like sometime last offseason, extended Lamar, and Lamar was just, you know, staying put, there was no drama, that list would have come out, and the top free agent <laughs> this offseason would have been Geno Smith. It's just amazing. <laughs> That's pretty incredible. So, the team with three of the top ten on that list was the Philadelphia Eagles. And the Eagles, currently as it stands, have $6 million in cap room. And I'm looking at a list now that basically says that the maximum restructures that they have. So here, here we go. Here's a list. So the Eagles essentially can get themselves with the maximum amount of restructuring up to $33 million in restructured deals. Uh, simple restructures, they can get $27 million. So that can put them 30 to $40 million in cap space, which in the grand scheme of things still won't be a lot uh, compared to a lot of other teams. They're in about the middle of the pack. Uh, I think 18th, but their free agents that they have, Javon Hargrave, Fletcher Cox, Robert Quinn, Brandon Graham, Jason Kelsey, James Bradbury, Kaiser White, Isaac Sumalo. Uh, Andre Dillard was a backup to, uh, offensive lineman, but still a pretty good offensive lineman. Linfell Joseph, Indomitian Sue, Boston Scott, Miles Sanders, Chauncey Gardner-Johnson, and Gardner Minshew. And, uh, so I skipped over some less notable ones. But that is a lot of very notable and like... <laughs> Those are names you heard frequently throughout the Super Bowl. Yeah, and this like... is me if I scroll back up to the list that we had here that you shared earlier. It's Greg Rosenthal's of uh, NFL Game Days, the top 10, top 10 free agents on uh, NFL.com. Yeah, Javon Hargrave, number three, Chauncey Gardner-Johnson, number seven, James Bradbury, number eight. So that doesn't even include Jason Kelsey, Fletcher Cox, Brandon Graham, and, you know, Miles Sanders and Boston Scott, your running backs. Right. Like, that's... Um, that's not a lot of money to bring all those guys back. It's you're, not bringing, you're not bringing back all of those guys. Yeah, that's going to be a, a classic case of, Oh, they got the Super Bowl hangover. When in reality, it was just a massive roster yeah. overturn. That's what I talk. That's we mentioned it 
Um, the year that the Chiefs beat the 49ers in the Super Bowl on the show about just how small a Super Bowl window can be. And obviously it worked out for the Chiefs because Patrick Mahomes, um, that's just, you know, they have Patrick Mahomes and Andy Reid. But NFL championship window can be that small because it's a cap space league. And there's so many guys to spread that money around to that you look up and all of a sudden, uh uh-oh, we're losing half of our defense in one offseason right after going to the Super Bowl. Right, and the Cowboys are generally going to be good. And... and this is before they have paid their quarterback, who is like yes. they, that. Like that extension's coming probably this off season. Yeah, yeah, they're kind of screwed. I think <laughs> they kind of are. Um, like they, and they a lot of their probably... guys are aging too. Jason Kelsey, Fletcher Cox, like those guys. Uh, Lane Johnson has already had uh, injury problems, and he's. He's no spring chicken himself. He was drafted in twenty in that twenty thirteen draft class that we mentioned. He's like the only good player in it in the top ten. They probably should have not blown that ten point halftime lead. Um, no, it's probably in their best interest. Probably shouldn't have held Juju. Probably should have let Juju score the touchdown actually. Yeah, um, and get the ball back because you know, and I don't know what the betting odds look like because you know that's the first thing you see on sports center after the super bowl is here's the betting odds for next season i'll look them up um i'm gonna guess they're gonna be high higher um, than they should be higher than they should be probably because unless you got a lot of hometown discounts going on yeah i don't know but they i mean vegas is generally pretty smart about that stuff yeah um and i guess until the the those free agents are truly gone somewhere else then the odds might hold for him but oh boy okay so betting favorite to win the super bowl next year is the chiefs at plus 600 then it's the bills at plus 850 and then it's the eagles 49ers and bengals at plus 900 Mm. so you're saying there that eagles and 49ers equal odds to win the nfc basically is what you're saying I mean, and I, the like tied for the favorites. Hey, I'll say this: the NFC for the foreseeable future, you know, in in NFL terms, that's you know a year <laughs> up for um, grabs. The NFC is is still pretty wide open. Like, there's nothing special going on over there. So, uh, I don't hate it. And there's only so many teams you can put above the kind of NFC favorite. Like you're not going to put six AFC teams then the right. Eagles, but well, so the next the next team in the NFC is the next one to be mentioned is the plus fifteen hundred the Cowboys in the NFC, <laughs> and then and then it goes plus sixteen hundred Ravens plus two thousand Chargers plus twenty five hundred Jaguars plus twenty five hundred Jets plus twenty five hundred Lions. <laughs> wow according it, to this is this is FanDuel Sportsbook says listen, the Lions, that the, the NFC team the fourth best odds to win the Super Bowl in the NFC is the Detroit Lions and you know I don't hate it <laughs> me neither I say, go ahead <laughs> that's right the now. worst part it makes sense go go put four bucks on the Go put four bucks on the Lions right now. I'm telling you. Because, I listen, 
that we might and who knows this might sound really stupid come september but we might be three or four games in maybe the lions i you know we'll see what the schedule looks like maybe they start three and oh continue what they were doing and suddenly uh <laughs> those odds start shifting because we don't know what the eagles are look like we don't know what the niners are gonna look like um but we probably have a pretty good idea what the lions are gonna look like so you know i think the lions are a year away because after this upcoming season jared goff will will have one year left on his deal and it'll be that they can it'll be a 31 million dollar cap hit with only 5 million in dead money so if they cut him they would get 25 million out of it mm. after, after this season okay. and they're looking at the 6th pick in the draft this year from from not not their own record from a from a from the rams from <laughs> they got the 6th pick along with Jared Goff it's know. a it's a rare both teams won that trade to be honest yeah like the rams, rams got their ring and the lions got a great pick yeah, so nice little handshake. Good job, everybody. <laughs> right. So I want to see if I can go to 2024. Um, let's see where the Lions at in 2024 cap space. They are 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6, 7, 8, 9, 10, 11th. 11th in the NFL in cap space for 2024, and that's that doesn't account for Jared Goff if they, if they were to cut him. Uh, so I, I think they, they make some solid moves this year. They are, I think around 11th in cap space for this off season as well. Mm. Um, I mean, they, they ought to win that division, right? I mean, you figure, yeah, if the Packers, if the Packers trade Rogers to, you know, to wherever jets Raiders, who cares? It's just the Vikings. I mean, the Vi- you figure the Vikings, if they come into next season like more or less the same as this year, uh, some more regular luck to where they're not winning, you know, going 8-0 in one-score games or whatever kind of stretch they had. Yeah, that's what I was about um, to look up there, their score. Their, like, uh, the Vikings might game. come out, you know, win 9-10 games and might see the Lions win 11, and it might come down to that. To be honest, because I mean, I don't, I, I just don't see the Bears taking a leap, um, you know. And the Packers, even if Aaron Rodgers comes back, I still don't know about the Packers, like because I'm gonna assume Aaron Rodgers is gonna get, you know, just a little bit worse next year, just because age is creeping in, and that team is still, you know, barring offseason moves, not really special. <laughs> Ryan, you said eight. You said the Vikings. You were you were guessing eight and zero in one score games. At one point, they they were. Yeah, that's that's my guess. Well, you're undershooting it. They were ten and zero in one score games. Oh my! They didn't have a single one score game loss. That not until game. not until the playoffs. Wow! Not until they lost by so, a touchdown to the Giants. And it, it's that's. I mean, that's the reason you know they were underdogs so many times. Like. <laughs> Well, they were at the Lions, I believe, actually, and they were underdogs. That was that one of those first games where, like, oh, the Lions are a real team, and the Vikings are yeah. clearly. And then they lost, and then the Lions beat them. 
by 11. Yep. yep. So, frauds. I mean, they're, you know. I mean, we saw, yeah. It was, after, it was right like, after they beat the the Bills in that overtime game, they went and lost 40-3 to to the Cowboys the very next week. And I don't think that they were or will be a bad team. Um. So, yeah, yeah let, let's even before I know, let's put this in perspective. 10 and 0 in one score games. Let's say 5 and 5. Let's say you go 5 and 5. That's they they have lost 3 games actually. That turns you into a 9 and 8 team. <laughs> Which that's about what mean what they probably should have been. They lost to the Giants in the playoffs at home. Right. That, that was more like a 9 and 8 kind of team instead of 14 and 3. <laughs> It's it's just crazy to hear it out loud, right? And, and they're gonna have a, know, they're gonna have that first place schedule next year, also. Yeah, so that's, that's not, fun for them. That's not gonna go well. All right, let's here. Let's let's play this game real quick. Uh, they get the play. Oh, not only that, guess which AFC division they get to play next year? Oh my, the West. <laughs> and let's see. They're th- this is okay. So their home opponents are the Chiefs, the Chargers, the Saints, the Bucks, the Bears, Lions, you know, Green Bay, and San Francisco. Road opponents, Denver, Vegas, Falcons, Panthers, Eagles, Bears, Lions, Packers, Bengals. Oof. So not, oh man. So not only did they get the AFC West, they also get the Bengals thrown in there as their extra game. As that seven that seventeenth game. That's some so, rough that's some rough luck there. Yeah. But so listen, if I'm looking through, I'm just like after God, ten who? after ten and oh, you can't really uh you can't really get mad at, at any type of luck you might face this next season. No. You know? Like that's oh man. And it's it's, it's, it's funny because like it's just so expected. Like and and hey, they might come out and they might you know they might go seven and one in one score games. You never know, but uh, those things tend to find their way back to the to the average at the very least, if not swing the other way. Yeah, I'm just going through my. I'm looking at all those games and like tallying up wins or losses in my head. I got them at nine. I got them at nine wins. Yeah, that's and honestly, I mean that's that's where they are. If if we're if we're playing the games on paper, that's probably about where they're at. Yep. But you know that's why we that's why we take the field. You know, it's all about who has it's all about grit and determination. You see, <laughs> not right. about luck. Yeah. Kirk Cousins just has that dog in him in the one p.m. slot. He sure does, and then and only that one. And yes, don't don't let Kirk Cousins play after you know four fifteen Eastern. It's not going to go no. well. He starts sundowning. He's the sun. He's the sundowning quarterback. Oh man! <laughs> <laughs> oh boy. So yeah, the yeah, the NFC is really just that wide open. It's just uh, trash. We can we can call it what it is. Yeah. So it's looking rough out there. That's 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 the NFL landscape. We'll we'll check in on Lamar as God knows what happens happens. Um, yeah. That's that that that. Uh... Whatever the conclusion of that looks like, it's gonna be it's gonna be a while. Um, yes, you know what's you know what's funny is like because he he doesn't have an agent, right? Like his, mm-hmm. his his mom kind of acts as his agent. 
So the other thing is he's be, uh, he's not just doing that. I think that was sort of like through the draft process more so. Okay. Was his mom? He's being advised by the the players' association. Interesting. So like the players' association is giving him the input, and I think that's kind of probably part of the reason this is a, a tougher negotiation because the players association doesn't get a 10% cut of his contract. No. An agent does. So an agent has the incentive to say, well, Lamar, we can compromise here. You know, what's the difference between 200 million Dick guaranteed and 250? The agent just wants to get paid at well, some, yeah. at one point or another, he's going to say, can you just sign the contract so I can get paid <laughs> at one? You know, then if the players association does not, have that incentive does not have that motivation so i think that's part of the reason they just they are fully their full intention as a labor union i think people don't always think of the players association as a labor union but it is yes they want the player to get as much as he is worth and as much as possible and they want him to set a precedent for other players in the future because really the big problem with this contract is that the Ravens and other teams in general do not want to set the precedent of giving quarterbacks consistently fully guaranteed money. And this was something, and something that I learned this week, just the other day, that I did not realize, is that all guaranteed money in NFL contracts have to be, at the time of signing the contract, set aside in an escrow account by the team. Huh. So, for example, when Deshaun Watson signed for $250 million guaranteed, he was given however much at signing. I want to say it was $70 million. Like, you know, he was given his contract, you know, his signing bonus, his, you know, base you know, salary or whatever. Whatever was left over. So let's say it was $70 million at signing. Jimmy Haslam, or whoever else, for the Browns, had to set aside that rest of the $180 million contract in an escrow account immediately at the time of signing. Cannot touch that money. Cannot say, well, you know, we'll pay you year by year. Obviously, we're going to do that. Like, no. This is, an, this is an NFL rule that all guaranteed money has to be set aside in that escrow account. Cannot touch it. And you have to do it at the time the, sign, the contract is signed. So if you sign a $200 million guaranteed contract, that's $200 million that that team cannot, cannot touch, the owner cannot touch at the time of signing. And that's, that's probably the biggest issue. Yes. And it's something that the players would like to be changed. It's not part of the, collecting, it's not part of the collective bargaining agreement. It is a rule that the NFL owners set for themselves. And they don't change it because they want that negotiating leverage in negotiations with players. They want to say, well, we would give you the fully guaranteed contract, but we got to set all of that money aside all at the time of signing. We don't have $250 million on hand just to like freeze. You know, we can not be able to touch. <laughs> the I'm, sure bit... they frame it. I'm sure they frame it as it's for your own good because then you definitely are going to get that money because it's already been set aside. Exactly. Because and, what, was, can't fold. and part of the, the part of it that I didn't realize when I first uh, thought about it was 
it's a, it's a thing that only really screws over small market teams. <clears throat> yeah. Because Jerry Jones has that money to set aside. The Rams have the Cronkies. They have that money to set aside. Who cares? Give $200 million guaranteed to whoever. I, they got money on hand. But when guys like Baltimore, Baltimore is not a big market at all for, by NFL standards. When this has already been brought up as an issue in Bengals circles, when Joe Burrow's contract's about to come up, Cincinnati's an even smaller uh, market, I believe. So those smaller market teams don't have as much of a you know high profit margin, things like that, to where they have more money on hand to say, we can set this aside. We can give you a highly guaranteed contract. So because we can set that money aside, it's fine. No, no worries. We got cash on hand, which I think about it. When I talk about cash on hand, the Raiders are the worst at that. So no one's getting a fully guaranteed contract from the Raiders anytime soon. <laughs> but that's part of the issue is the owners like part of it's not. It, so it can be a situation where maybe Steve Bashotti himself is willing to say, well, I don't care if we have to set this precedent with Lamar Jackson. Like he gets the fully guaranteed contract, we give it to him. That it would be it would be fine by us to set the precedent. Other owners being mad at me, I don't care. It could be an issue if they don't have the cash on hand as a smaller yeah. market yeah, to give out a two hundred million dollar guaranteed contract to one player to go along with all of the other guaranteed money they have to spend in one off season. Right, because that could be it. Odds are, you know, if he's probably figuring you know the next time i have to pay a player this much fully guaranteed might not be ever as long as i'm in charge of the team so maybe he's thinking just one time only i'll do this just for this player and this quarterback and you know because of that rule or you know being the small market team they are um and you know Baltimore is not a nothing market, but it's you know it's not it you it's never going to be in any top five. Um, yeah, that'd be interesting. And I you know there's only so much uh, data available on on that type of thing and what teams have to report. So I'd be interested to see if it truly was an issue of they straight up just can't can't do it because of their own rule. That'd be interesting. It's possible. And of course, there's no incentive for these big, you know, these top level, you know, big market owners to change the rule. It's like, well, fuck you. It's if it's going to end up with things like the Ravens can't pay Lamar Jackson and opens us up to to pay him, we're going to keep that rule. <laughs> yeah, it's, I mean, it's you know, evening the uh, at the end of the day, it's evening the the playing field among you know all the all the rich buddies. <laughs> right. Um, screwing screwing the little guy, of course, but. You know. That's all. This is what that's what it's all about in the end. And at the end general. of the day, in a lot of cases like this, it's it's just saving them money because they'll just they'll just pretty much be like, no, not doing it. Sorry. Yeah. So because what was it? Because there was all those contradicting reports about what was you know what was guaranteed, what was fully guaranteed, and total guarantees was Stephen A. Smith. I think Stephen A. Smith was misinterpreting, uh, or the person in Lamar Jackson's camp that talked to him was misinterpreting. That one hundred and thirty-three million dollar guaranteed at signing uh, number for Lamar's contract. So the the number guaranteed at signing and the total guarantees, because 
a lot of times teams will say you get this much at signing that's guaranteed but then you know essentially if you make it one year through the contract your you know your injury coverage basically is you know more added on to it mm. so i think the 130 some guaranteed that or you know 118 whatever it was that kyler murray and russell wilson got was their total when you count in that that injury money essentially injury guarantee money uh vested after a year and the number 133 for lamar's contract was not accounting for that it's actually more that was the number guaranteed at signing which was more than what kyler murray and russell wilson got guaranteed at signing so the total guarantee i remember i don't know if this was the same report remember seeing there was a number floating around that the ravens uh offered 200 million guaranteed to lamar jackson which starts to add up when you put it like that 133 million dollars guaranteed at signing and 200 million in total guarantees. That sounds like a pretty reasonable contract if you're not going to get a fully guaranteed one. Not going to lie. Yeah. I mean that's <laughs> there's no amount you know, you know, for people like us, there's no amount you could name for of an NFL contract where we go that's not much money. <laughs> It's, right, uh, it's, it's but but by Lamar Jackson's standards, he under, should be trying to get as much as he can. Understanding, you know, value and that the player is always going to maximize. Because um, I mean, you hear about, um, and this, this tends to happen more in baseball about, you know, kind of some of these some of these owners, guys like um, Scott Boris, uh, just kind of milking milking teams for every dollar basically for for his you know for his clients it's, it's for his own mm-hmm. pockets as well yeah um, you just don't hear about that much in the nfl but those guys are all the same i mean they they want to <laughs> they're gonna get every penny they can out of these owners why not you're yeah. playing a game um this is money that's going to be coming in for you till you're for most guys at, at the highest 40 but a lot of these guys are out of here 30 35 years old so um, they want to make every penny they can. So, I mean, I'm not gonna, not gonna fault him for, for turning down certain offers because eventually we're gonna get down the line. Someone's gonna, someone's gonna give him that money. It's just a matter of who. See, that's my that's, and I think that's my thing in the end with with the whole situation. It's like, yeah, maybe maybe he's asking for more than you want. Maybe maybe he's asking for more than you want to give him. Maybe there's some hangups here, his injury history, whatever it might be, to say we don't want to give him all this guaranteed money. Somebody's gonna pay him. You have him on your team already. He likes it there. Yeah. As long as you haven't alienated him. You have an advantage right now. Like somebody's gonna pay him the money. There's only one Lamar Jackson in this world. You could you could trade him for the number one pick in the draft to the Bears, and you could draft Bryce Young. We don't know that Bryce Young is going to be Lamar Jackson. Lamar Jackson was the unanimous MVP of the NFL in 2019. There's only been two players in NFL history to win a unanimous MVP. It's Lamar Jackson and Tom Brady. The greatest quarterback of all time. <laughs> 
Those guys don't grow on trees. They don't. Pay and, him. Uh, Pay him. Yeah, I mean, the only the only number from Lamar, if he's, you know, if he's trying to name name his price, the only reason you would turn it down is if you look at it and you are fully confident that nobody else would actually give him that, that he'd go somewhere for less. Because I'm sure, I mean, these owners and GMs, they pretty much know what what the value on the market is going to be for these guys, and they are pretty aware of which teams can afford and which teams will pay players that amount. I mean, these guys are, you know, a lot of these guys are friends, <laughs> um, yeah. especially the owners. Uh, you know, business friends to an extent. I mean, they'll they're cutthroat. They'll throw whoever under the bus they have to. But um, listen, if 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 he names a number. And you're fully confident that at least one team is going to give him that, but you have a basically closed off negotiation because he's he's still a uh, he's still a Raven. You got to just pull the trigger and you figure out the rest later, right? Like, yeah. Because I, I mean, look, you're not spending money on offense anyway. <laughs> you can no. just, listen if you're you're winning football when he's healthy. Um, just sign him continue to draft somewhat like you've been doing. I mean, the, the receivers have been better as of late because um, that was kind of the big thing for a while. And you play little salary cap gymnastics and the, the rest works itself out. I mean, you're not going to be a good team without drafting well. It just doesn't work out like that for hardly anybody. So you might as well spend some money on the player you know is going to be good. It's, yeah. it's, it's as simple as that. I know it's... <laughs> It's a little more complicated when you get into, you know, how many ex- the exact dollar amount of what you kind of got to put aside for for guaranteed this and that. But I mean, they they can make it work. The only reason they can't they they wouldn't be able to make it work is purely for what you said. Like they straight up do not have the money. And it's a me- money. and yeah, if that's the problem, Steve Bashotti, you're a billionaire, man. Got other owners. He doesn't own. I don't think he owns 100% of the team. Very rare, Very few owners do. You got other stuff. You can. You got other ventures. You have other financial ventures, even if the Ravens aren't the most profitable team in the world. If you can't afford to pay that sort of money to a franchise player because of a weird technicality, sure. But still, um... Maybe don't maybe don't own an NFL team. I don't know. Yeah, sell a team. Yeah, I think that's the point you know, of reach. With this point, that's the point of reach with the Ravens. God damn it! Is you're you're making me say things like sell the team, fire the coach. You're making me you're making me <laughs> have those kind of thoughts. Oh, I don't man. like it. Now the the coach is that's a whole different thing. It's more about you know his coordinator hires, which I love this one. I love the new one. Steve, you're making me have sell the team kind of thoughts. You know, you've started to reach a problem. All right. But the, uh, you know, the new coordinator doesn't really matter if you're in between quarterbacks or just don't have one. So you should probably just keep the quarterback. (laughs) Have you thought of that super rich man just giving good player money? (laughs) (laughs) It's it's a real novel concept, we know. Yeah. It honestly is 
like <laughs> sports franchises will, will never grasp it. There's a few that know. understand the idea, but they tend to not play the actual good players. Um, it's just like, what are we it's doing? It's just like you've had what over a year now, two years coming up on. Start a GoFundMe. Yeah, this should have been. Lamar Jackson walks in the room. You say, all right, we're going to do our contract negotiations now. Steve Bashotti rips a check out of a checkbook. He signs the check. He makes it out from the Baltimore Ravens, and he hands it to Lamar Jackson, and he says, put a number down. Put a number down. Blank check. How much you want? $40 million a year? $50 million a year? $180 million guaranteed? $200? What do you want? That's how the that's how the negotiation should have went. Yeah, and that's Lamar the, Jackson is that kind of player. Beyond the guaranteed part of it, the um, this, this new TV deal with uh with Google and YouTube TV for Sunday Ticket salary cap's gonna be going up here for mm-hmm. for for a while. So, um, I mean, it's taking a big jump this year. So that's you don't really have that excuse either, because that's the thing people don't realize when you get these long term deals. Is that you sign a guy to the biggest contract ever, but then by like year four or year five, if it's that long a contract, it's a he's a great value because of what those contracts look like and what the salary cap has done. So, um, you know, the longer the deal, the better, honestly. Right, but we'll see. I don't know. Maybe he's just broke. Huh? <laughs> I smell like broken here. He's just he's just like me. <laughs> Uh, this was after we said we were going to get into it another time. So the other time was just five minutes later, right? And that's how the show goes, anyway. Uh, <laughs> we're coming, we're coming up on an hour and a half. Um, we thought we were going to talk about the NBA at some point. We got time. Uh, we got time. We yeah. got weeks, weeks, yeah. and honestly, I mean months. I mean, you yeah. I mean, the Lakers, the Lakers are what four and one since they made the trade for to get rid of Russell Westbrook. Uh, the Nuggets are still very good. Knicks are Knicks are on a hot streak, and then we got what the Grizzlies, the the Kings are still the third seed. God, I mean, what what the <laughs> hell is that all about? I think they're actually like on the verge of tying the Grizzlies for the second seed, and they have the tiebreaker over the Grizzlies. Yeah, uh, the Grizzlies have really uh, Shannon Sharp really knocked them off the uh, the pedestal there. I don't know what go- I don't know what went on in their their, men- their brains men- after that, but mentally weak. Trash. John Morant's John Morant's too busy uh, threatening to kill people. Yeah, um, fake to, tough. Uh... Honestly, fake tough. <laughs> I did. I did. I do think I saw today the Kings are ten games over five hundred for the first time in seventeen years. That's wild. I mean, ten. I mean, listen. 10 games over 500 you're 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 playing pretty well but like that's pretty bad <laughs> like that I don't look at a team ten, like, at this point in the season especially if you're 10 games over 500 I'm like all right you're pretty good like you're solid yeah um I don't <laughs> but it's like oh the kings huh yeah when it's the kings it's it's different yeah i mean the suns the suns are still the 4 seed uh yeah and they, they haven't gotten Katie yet they're the, now, here's the thing. They're the four seed, but they're also only three and a half games back of the uh, 12 seed, the Lakers. The, yeah, the West is special. The, 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 Thunder <laughs> are, the Thunder are the 13 seed, and they are 14 games back of, of the one. 
and the Suns are ten games back. So there's a four game difference between the Suns and the and the, and the Thunder. Which... It's gonna be it's gonna be a really fun and um like the regular season, especially you know we're past the All Star break. It was past the trade deadline. Past the trade deadline. I mean, we're looking at round about twenty games left for each team, and I mean each night these games feel like they matter, which yeah, it's been a while. <laughs> this yeah, um, this is the point of the season. Like you start to get March. Like it's literally the calendar will turn to March on Wednesday. This is March. Wow, you're right. And so, yeah, no, I mean, listen, the the the. You know the um, oh my gosh, losing my losing my words here. This is what happens when you get ninety minutes in, right? The I mean the Sixers are playing the Heat tonight. Sixers are fighting for their position, though they're probably going to be staying put. But I mean the Heat, the Heat with another loss or two could be, you know, saying goodbye to any like playoff playoff hopes. They're going to be solidly in the play-in, right? Um, so we're going to start having teams kind of lock themselves in. You know the yeah, math. Heat, is, yeah. The math is going to start working against some of these. Right. The heat. Teams. The heat are two and a half games back of the Knicks for the six seed. So that's. I mean, yeah. And you said one or two more games, and that's like, yeah, you're you're going to be in the play-in. And uh, I, I'll tell you about the Heat. Is last time I looked, they scored the least amount of points of anybody in the NBA. <laughs> and so, when you do that, and you win a lot of close games, listen, as a Knicks fan. Uh, let's see. It was two years ago they lost to the uh, lost Hawks. to the Hawks. Yeah. So that season was the Knicks were low scoring, but they played good defense and they won close games. And that's kind of the Heat this year. And it's not a recipe for success. I'm sorry. No. I'm sorry. But great defense is not the way to win. You have to shoot threes. You have to have dynamic playmaking from your point guard. Um. It's just not the way to do it. The Heat, <laughs> the, I don't know. Maybe the game is passing by uh, old Eric Spolster down there, but maybe it doesn't help that all of their all of their good players are you know old or injured. Often, uh, Kyle Lowry is just like nothing now. Oof, yeah, yeah he's on his way out. But yeah, yep. Knicks Celtics tonight. Um, yeah, we're actually about to turn that game on. It's going to be. It's. It, I'm gonna. I'm gonna declare it your league pass game of the night. It's been declared. I mean, there's only like four games tonight, so yeah, that's the game. And uh, this is a uh, not the biggest game of the year for for either team. I mean, the Celtics are going to be fighting for the one seed. The Knicks are right there with the Nets, who you assume are going to lose more games than than they have been. Yeah, um, but it's more of that, you know, it's a vibes game. It's a statement like, can you just come out in a game that feels meaningful and beat the Celtics is going to be yeah. going to be what that is. So I'm not going to get my hopes up, obviously. <laughs> it's one it's one where it's like if the Knicks lose, it's like, well, well you lost to the Celtics. But if you win, it's like, oh, shit, you beat the Celtics. Right. And so it's championship or bust tonight. <laughs> <laughs> But no, um, you know it's it's Tom like the... Tom Thibodeau legacy game. Oh wow, there you, there you have it. Can can Jalen Brunson put on a show tonight when the lights are brightest? We'll find out. I'm excited. I am excited. Wow, excited because the Garden, um, Madison Square Garden, like it's just different. Like there's there's loud arenas. Like the Warriors, at least when they were Oracle, 
had like a noticeably loud arena when you watched on TV. Madison Square Garden is, I, I guess, just starved for anything. And so, like, just a game like this, I mean, we might we might get a side talk video out of this one once again. Oh man! Oh. <laughs> Yeah, if like, they win, oh. they're gonna be they're gonna be on the streets once again. Because I mean, that was game one of the season. They beat the Celtics. They beat the Celtics tonight. Oh boy! And then they'll probably lose to like I don't know <laughs> the, the, Raps, magi- the, the Magic Raps. or something. Yeah, <laughs> the Bulls. I, the Knicks do have a pretty. They got a pretty tough stretch here coming up. So yeah, we'll see. But I, I'm gonna be. I'm not gonna say I'm confident in the Knicks. I will say I'm most confident I've been in them in 10 years wow the last time i was this confident in the knicks jr smith was sixth man of the year (laughs) (laughs) so yeah now that i've now that i've put it in the world um we're looking at probably like a six game losing streak so yeah i mean look the nets fall back in the standings a little bit now that they don't have kd Kyrie. uh you get yourself up to the five seed Cavs and Knicks is the four five matchup. That you see, fun. What, it's good. It would be fun, and I think what worries me now is that for a good part of the season, it's like the Knicks. Let's let's be in the playoffs. Let's avoid the plan. We're good enough. Brunson's really good, great addition. Um, but now we're at a point with the Nets falling apart. It's kind of the expectation that the Knicks get the five seed, and that is what worries me. Mm. It's the expectations. So. Uh, I don't know, but luckily the teams that are at the the level or below the Knicks, um, they don't look too great. And the Knicks, for their struggles, as my neighbors are uh, fighting upstairs, I don't know if you can hear that. I did hear that. I don't know something they're moving furniture or something, but um, I feel more confident about the Knicks than I do the Nets and the the Heat and the Hawks. That's for sure. So we have that for us. We have that for us. So. Yeah. So, I mean, uh, my Thunder, I mean, this wasn't, this was supposed to be a nothing year, like tank, tanking for Wenbanyana kind of year. And they're, I mean, they've kind of fallen off. They're four and six in their last 10, but they're still, they're, um, right. they're a game and a half out of the 10 seed for the beginning of play in. They are pretty, they are regular, regularly competitive, is what I'd call them. It's because, yeah, Shea, I mean, when, when Shea plays, I mean, they got themselves an all NBA caliber player. And put up 30, 30 and any a thirty a night, you know. I saw a great it's stat. Awesome. I saw a great stat, and it's He's like great. one of these. It's one of these classic NBA stats, and I'm probably I don't know if I'm giving it to you exactly, but it was something along these lines of um, Josh Giddy is the youngest player in the NBA right now, averaging fifteen five and five or something along those lines, like completely meaningless. Like you could have found anything better to say. He's been solid. <laughs> <laughs> yeah but um no josh giddy it passes the vibe check he's good he just can't shoot yeah he can't but, shoot but he can he can get you triple doubles basically i don't know yeah. i don't know what it is i don't know if it's like the hair like nobody has long hair in the nba it seems like very few guys you can you can think of and say they have long hair yeah he's just rocking he's just He's rocking some curls, man. They got a they got a solid team over there. They got Jalen Williams and Jalen Williams, <laughs> J Dub and J Will. What a team! I was watching. I was. It was fun to watch the the Thunder the Thunder Suns game the other night and hear that they like Ryan Rucco and JR, uh, JJ Redick and uh, Richard Jefferson. 
talk about no it's there's Jalen Williams of Santa Clara and Jalen Williams of Arkansas and he was referring to the J Will and J Dub or whatever <laughs> uh, the one the the one that they drafted like 12th overall really good like gonna make the all rookie team like he's he has been legit and then they got you know Giddy and Dort and Shea and couple other guys they got chet holmgren hopefully coming back healthy next year so they got some they're cooking up they're they're cooking something up <laughs> let them cook yeah yeah we'll see uh we'll see when the cycle will end of we're gonna trade this guy and load up on picks it's been going on for a while <laughs> when will yeah when will, when will when will we finally just you know see them make the the free agency splash right it's like they've they've got they they're still hanging on to most of those picks like they had most of those picks haven't come yet they still like the rocket they have the rockets pick next year and it's only like top three or four protected Mm. and that's from trading chris paul for russell westbrook (laughs) yeah it's crazy it's crazy the picks they like currently have and will have um in the next year or two and then to look at like the trade that went down for those picks like yeah. every single trade is just like yeah that's yeah blockbuster yeah. at some point they're gonna have to package those trade those picks together and like, trade for somebody like all right you're a you're a barely below 500 team right now you're competitive you're kind of fun you got one legit super pretty much a superstar player all of, not all of those picks are going to be good picks. Like some of them aren't even going to convey. Um, at some point, you got to trade them for a player. Like obviously, maybe not like the Rockets pick because that's probably going to be a good one. But like, you know, you got like twenty-seven of them. I don't know. Like if you can just you got a hundred, you got a hundred first-round picks. If you can just them. hold out for you know maybe give it a year and a half, then you bring KD home. That's what you do. You there bring him go. back. Now we're talking. <laughs> now we're talking. So, there we go. All right. Well, this game has gone. This game has gotten underway. I see. I know I'm going to be streaming behind. So right now it's a nine fifty five left in the first quarter, five to three Knicks. So at, stop. Uh, stop the count. I'm at. <laughs> I'm at eight thirty three right now. Okay. Um. I. I do believe looks like Jalen Brown's out tonight. So. Oh yeah. That's yeah. uh. We'll see. Then it's almost worse for the Knicks because then it's like, well, Jalen Brown's out. You got everybody. <laughs> it's like, yeah. Well, now if you don't win, yeah, so. it's like, well, dang, you couldn't even beat the. <laughs> you couldn't even beat them when they were hurt. Oh God. Yeah. Life well, as hell. Go Knicks. <laughs> and go Rams. Go Rams. <laughs> <laughs>